right, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I introduced myself in the beginning, but uh, my name's Josh. I pastor the Pickerington campus, and so it's good to be here with you. Um, I send greetings from uh, Jim and Mary. They are in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, speaking at a conference there, and so uh, we love the bakers. Uh, they're amazing. Speaking of the bakers, they have, they sent a little video for you guys. You want to see it? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't know if you want to see it or not. All right. All right, let's let's uh, let's roll the video. Little update here. Hey Zion, guess where we are? We are at the parking lot of the title agency, and we just got done signing on the Normandy building. So we just wanted to thank you guys so much on my wife's birthday. So obviously, it's a couple days later you're seeing it. But um, hey, thank you for your heart for uh, transformation. Thank you for your heart for social justice and uh, seeing girls come out of human trafficking mm -hmm. and worship released over the city and just uh just the kingdom to come and uh in our city so thank you for your prayers thank you for your financial support and uh just being behind this project it really is on god's heart i mean the whole thing started with a vision so um thanks for helping us uh, move it across the finish line we love you guys and uh so we are uh speaking out of state so uh, you're in our hearts we and, miss we'll, you. and we will see you the next week we'll be there next sunday but thank you thank you thank you we so bought a excited building. we bought a building so love you guys thank you all right, there's the update. Isn't that good news? That's awesome, I love it. All right. You guys good? All right, well, I think it's been a few months since I've been up here. Um, so, uh, oh, happy to be here. Um, I just feel like... I just feel like talking about um, maybe something a little bit different here. Um, just as actually as the video was playing, I felt like uh, just a, a just kind of a wave of transition. Does that make sense? Like transition's good, right? Transition's good, and I I don't know. I feel like maybe just talking this morning uh, just about transition and what that looks like and. Um, I think all of us, we're, we're either entering into transition, you're in transition, or you're coming out of transition. Does that about nail everybody? Yeah, that was a word of knowledge, just kidding. So everybody in some way, shape, or form in, in a part of your life will go through transition. Will go through something shifts, something changes, something uh, maybe welcomed, maybe not welcomed. You know, there, there are different things that happen in our lives uh, that are tied to this word called transition. Um, many would probably argue that our life is made up of transition. It, it, it's, uh, it, you know, we have a, a, a start point and we have a destiny and a destination. And then the middle part of it, every part of it in between is what we would call process or transition. And I feel like the Lord is just wanting to encourage people who feel like they're in transition, who feel like things are shifting. And it doesn't necessarily have to be geographical transition. It doesn't, you know, I, I'm talking about shifting and changing and transitions in our hearts. Sometimes we go through those. We go through seasons, as we like to say in charismatic culture. I think the, the term seasons is overused in some, uh, a lot of places. But, um, you know, we go through these, these time periods where the Lord is really on this, and then we move into a next time period or season, and now he's not on that anymore. Anybody ever been there before? 
you know, some of, some of us probably most uh, notice it is, you know, you, you pop in the CD player or MP3 or whatever, whatever we all use nowadays, and you put on your favorite worship song, and for five years you've listened to the favorite worship song, and it's took you right into the throne room. Any, anybody, can, anybody relate besides me? And so there's this one song, man, if I play this one song, doesn't matter what's going on, all the cares in the world go away, and I'm entering in, I'm right there, it's like I'm seated at the feet of Jesus. And then one day comes where the song does nothing for you anymore. It's a transition, it's a shift, it's not that that song isn't maybe anointed or it wasn't effective in what it did, but the fact that you have taken it in and now you have to go to another level. Transition means increase. Transition means increase. And sometimes transition can be hard. Transition in our hearts, geographical transition, fill in the blank, whatever kind of transition you most closely relate to right now. Transition can be hard. It can be, shift, it can be shifting. It can be challenging. Uh, because what happens is we get comfortable with what we're familiar with. Right? We get comfortable with what we're familiar with because we know what we know. And we know how to do it. We know how it functions. We know how it works. Uh, there's a, there's a, an account in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uh, spits in the blind man's eye. Anybody remember this account? And the man was in a, Jesus comes to a town called Bethsaida. And uh, the man is uh, blind there. And so, you know, I'm reading this passage and, you know, read over it a, a hundred times. And, and I noticed something in this passage. You can look it up on your own. This isn't part of my notes or anything. But uh, in this passage, uh, Jesus comes to him and doesn't ask if he needs healing, doesn't ask anything. He grabs him by the hand and he takes him out of the village. He takes him out of the place that he's comfortable with. Now, remember, if you're blind, you know that it's, it's 10 steps to the front row. It's 15 steps to the door. It's 20 steps to the bathroom. It's you've gotten comfortable, and what we do is we create a system of dysfunction when we get comfortable. It's a system that ties us to what's familiar because we know that it's 15 steps to the front row. It's this many steps over here. It's four steps to the refrigerator. We, we get comfortable, we, we know, and imagine even being blind, this man, Jesus grabs him by the hand. Now, the key is that Jesus grabs him by the hand. You're not by yourself. He grabs him by the hand, and he leads him out of the village to a new place where now he knows nothing. Imagine not knowing anything about your surroundings, and you're blind. Not having anything familiar to grasp onto, constantly groping around, not knowing where to go and how to go, and if there's a step here or, or you know the, the you know a tree stump here, you don't know anything that's going on. Jesus takes him to this place, and before Jesus ever gives him new vision, he has to get him out of the familiar. Before he ever gives him new sight and, and a new perspective, he has to get him out of the familiar because what has happened is he has created a system that keeps him comfortable. And as long as he is comfortable within his system, he will stay in the system. You've got to break the mold sometimes. You've got to snap out of the orbit of your ordinary. You've got to break the mold. You've got to shift. You've got to do something. And, and I believe that when it doesn't happen, when we don't, God does it. Isn't God good? He's so kind and he's so loving and he's so merciful. You know, look at the, the, the early church in the book of Acts, you know, the part of the Great Commission. Go into all the world, 
Preach the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, all that stuff. Go do it. Baptize them in my name. And then 12 years later, the disciples are still in Jerusalem. They stayed in what they were familiar with. They stayed in what they were comfortable with. So, you know, the Bible describes God sending persecution. God didn't cause the persecution, but he used it to light a fire under the apostles' butts. And get them out of their familiar, out of their system. And so transition is a good thing. It's not necessarily easy. It's not necessarily um, desired at first. But once you step out of the familiar, once you step out of that place, and you, you get and you receive and you uh, step into the, the new thing that God is doing, you realize, man, why did I ever struggle with that? Why did I ever, ever want to go back to that or do that? And so I want to I just bring up two things um, that are pretty, pretty key indicators of transition. Uh, in fact, you know, some would say that um, this is the divine duo, birth and death, right? You can't get much more transition than that, right? All right are you guys here? All right, do we need more coffee? We get ushers pass out some coffee? Some of you are like, can they do that? <laughs> we can do whatever we want. Jim and Mary's out of state. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just teasing Jim and Mary if you're watching. <laughs> Birth and death are the ultimate transition. You can't get much more transition than being born or dying, right? And, you know, here's the thing about birth and death is, uh, you know, if birth and death were... were able to talk, birth would say something like this, I am the transportation from one reality to another. If death was able to talk, he would say, so am I. I am the transportation from one reality to another. I am the transportation from one place to another. One of the best examples that I can come up with and I can think of is uh, a baby being born. Now, bear with me for a, for a minute. Are there any mothers here? Any mothers? Let's just give it up for the mothers. Our mother's just amazing. I, uh, my wife is not here. She is uh, helping hold down the fort in Pickerington this morning. Um, but we have four children. Um, and uh, we, so I've experienced four live births. I've experienced them myself firsthand. I've not actually given birth, but uh, uh, about as close as you can come to doing it, I, I was there. So I watched the whole thing. So um, I know a little bit about it. Not much, but I know a little bit. And, um, you know, the thing about a baby, l let's just go back to conception. A baby is conceived. A baby uh, begins to form, begins to grow. It's growing in the mother's womb. Now, we know, uh, you know, that babies are in the mother's womb for nine months, uh, about. And... Um, you know, there's the first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. There's a system in place that feeds the baby, that, that uh, keeps the baby warm, that, that circulates, that does everything that the baby could ever need is it within the system. Does that, does that make sense? It's within the womb. Now, if you think about this, you know, it, it's, it's a happy thing for babies to be born, right? It's, it's like, yay, happy. You know, it's... it's 
It's a good thing. You know, there's tears of joy, there's laughter, there's, you know, all kinds of things. And um, it, it, it's, a, it's amazing. But I want you just for a minute, if a baby was um, cognizant of its reality and the shifting and the changing that was happening, I want you to think about it from a baby's perspective. Everything has, has always been provided for it. The way that it eats, the way that it breathes, the way that it sleeps, it, 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 everything has always been provided in the context of the womb. And now things start getting tight. Things start getting constricted. Things start getting narrow. And all of a sudden, the baby's world is getting rocked. It doesn't know what's going It's happening. So fast forward through labor. Thank you, Jesus. Fast forward through labor, the baby is born. Now, for the baby to be born in this world, it has to die to that one. Does that make sense? For, for the birth to be fully complete, the baby dies to the womb. The baby can never go back into the womb. It can never eat like it used to eat. It can never breathe like it used to breathe. It can never sleep like it used to sleep. Although it tries, although, you know, sometimes it seems like a baby wants to crawl back up inside mama. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. It can't. It's impossible. It cannot happen. The baby has died to that reality has died to the reality of the womb. And so what we have to understand is that with every new birth, there is a death. With everything that God is birthing in us, it means, yes, it's good, it's, it's happy, and it's celebrating, and it's, it's joyful for God to do a new thing. Because the, the, the Psalms say, behold, I do a new thing, Right? I do a new thing. I sing a new song. I, you know, there's newness in Christ. There's newness in the kingdom. Uh, so, uh, song of Songs 2, it says, the season of your barren winter's over. I'm doing a new thing. There's newness in the kingdom. But every time there's newness, you have to realize that something had to die. Something had to be stripped away. Something had to uh, no longer see, had to cease to exist. So death becomes a doorway. Death becomes a doorway. I remember when my oldest uh, son, I have three, three sons and a daughter, my oldest son, uh, Gabriel, he, when he was born, uh, he's, he's nine um, this week, actually, and I, it, was, it was kind of just a surreal moment, if, if you've ever been there, when you first realized, oh, crap, I'm a dad. I didn't really have, like, a spiritual response. I was just like, oh, crap, I'm a dad. I wasn't always this holy. <laughs> but you, you had this real, realization, and, you know, it, it wasn't really real to me when she was pregnant. I mean, it, like, I knew, like, hey, something's going to happen, but it wasn't, like, real to me. You know, my, my life didn't change. My body didn't change much. I did have some sympathy weight I put on, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, there, nothing really shifted much for me. It wasn't until the moment, you know, through the labor, I'm just standing there like, is this really happening? And it wasn't until it really became real to me when the doctor pulls, you know, has the baby in hands and hands me a pair of scissors. And I have to cut the cord. And I had this realization that, oh crap, I'm a dad. 
It's official. But in the spiritual sense, death isn't final until you cut the cord. In the other sense, the birth isn't complete until the cord's cut. When, when, the, when the cords cut, this, everything that tied the baby to the old system, to the old way of life, the old way of living, the old way of getting nutrients, all of those things, everything that tied it to those, that old way of doing things, old way of thinking was instantly severed. It can never go back. And sometimes what happens with us as believers is we try to straddle transition. We try to live in this world, but still have the umbilical cord connected to that one. But the, 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 the Bible tells us that's impossible. It says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you can't be here and then also be out here, right? You're either out here or you're in here. You can't be both. In the spiritual sense, it's the exact same thing. You, you, you can't be stuck in transition. Being stuck in transition is like going around the, in the desert for 40 years. And ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. Because, you know, ultimately God wants to take you where you're called to go and and. and you know, you need to step into what God's calling you to step into. And, and to do that, death needs to become final for birth to fully be alive. Does that make sense? Have I lost some of you with weak stomachs? Every transition has a birth and a death. Every transition has a birth and a death. And the sooner we realize this, the better off we are. I learned several years ago that the same God who opens doors is the same God who shuts them. I've had many doors, as many of you can probably attest to in your own lives, many doors that are opened, and you start to walk through it, and it's like the door gets slammed on your face. We're like, well, that can't be God. Actually, it was God. Because if he closes all the doors, there's only one door for me to walk through, right? Right? And sometimes in my small thinking and in my narrow-mindedness, I just need one door to walk through. Just tell me which door to walk through. I'll walk through it. Right? Anybody ever been there? Yeah. If you have all these options, confusion can come in and try to sneak you down this distracting path or sneak you down this path or sneak you down this path when God is the one who shuts the doors. And so one of the prayers that I pray over myself and over my children often now is God shut every door that needs to be shut and open one, every door that needs to be opened. Isaiah 45, it says, you know, uh, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, whom he holds in his right hand, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I'll make the rough places smooth. So, I mean, it's, it's legal to pray that. It's legal to ask God to do that. Make this transition smooth. Make this uh, shift smooth. It's uncomfortable. It's tight. I don't necessarily like it. I've got to learn a whole way of doing things, a whole way of doing life, and it's, it's going to be challenging, but I know that it's going to be rewarding. Imagine, uh, back to the example of a baby, being born in the womb and uh, being in the womb and being so tight and everything being so small, and imagine not being able to see everything that we see. Because we're comfortable staying where we, uh, where we were nurtured. To get into maturity, sometimes you have to break away from where you were nurtured. 
to begin to digest meat and begin to digest hard things in life and begin to actually succeed and go after some things that you're called to go after, sometimes you've got to break away from where you were nurtured, where that, that place of, of you know, milk and that place of, of you know, easy and comfortable and familiar. Are you guys okay? For God to do a new thing in you, we have to die to the old thing. We've got to cut the cord in our life. Some of you are experiencing this. You're experiencing this in your life. You're experiencing this, uh, uh, you know, what I would call back and forth, not necessarily, you know, being wishy-washy, but not knowing, am I here, am I there, am I supposed to do this, or am I supposed to do that, am I, what, my mindset is beginning to shift, my thinking's beginning to change, things are beginning to move in my life, and I can't necessarily explain it, all I know is God's up to something. He's not called us to explain it. He's called us to actually just walk through it with him. We are like the blind man that Jesus grabs by the hand and leads us out of our familiar. And although we don't may, maybe necessarily know where we're going and we don't know the path, we got to understand that Jesus is with us. We, we see, you know, areas of our life where the cord needs to be cut by... Um, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of things in my life this year that are not okay that were okay last year. Or things that are okay in this season that are, you know, excuse me, things that were okay last season that are not okay this season. Relationships and uh, even TV shows and things like that. It's like, you know what, I, there, there's a... There's a cutting away. There's a cord that's being cut because God's doing a new thing. And so I've got to begin to not fall into old habits because old habits will keep you in the orbit of ordinary. It will keep you tethered. Old habits will keep you tethered to what you've always known. We see this too. Uh, you know, I, I come from a, a, a very small town. Uh, grew up, went to high school. I think there was like 50 people in my graduating class. That's small. I don't know where you all come from, but um, it, at my school, there was more tractors in the parking lot than there were cars, if that tells you anything. And so I, I grew up in, in junior high and high school with a, a pretty narrow-minded way of thinking, what we would call small-town thinking. You know, everybody's aspirations were to, to work at the one restaurant on the corner by the one stoplight in town. And then they put a subway in, and it was like heaven came to our town. <laughs> but, you know, as I began to pursue God, God began to break off that old thinking that tied me to small thinking, small town thinking. It's not that I don't enjoy some of those things and uh, that, that kind of vibe, but um, God's doing a new thing. And, you know, it was one of the, one of the trips overseas that I had taken and uh, had posted a picture or something on social media, and, and one, of the, uh, one of my friends from the past um, had put something on there like, uh, don't forget where you came from with like a smiley face. And that's what people do, don't they? People want you to stay where they met you. And as long as you stay where they met you, you're good. 
But the moment you begin to move and begin to grow and begin to shift from where they met you, things begin to, hey, what's going on? What are, what are you doing? I don't understand what you're doing. Why would you want to change this? We got a good thing going. Why, why would you shift it? Why would you mess this up? Why would you do this? Yes, I, I, I haven't forgotten where I came from. I just can't stay there. I haven't forgotten where I was, but I can't stay there anymore. And there comes a point where we have to begin to realize that in our hearts, whether it, again, whether it be geographically, whether it be spiritually, whatever your transition and your shift looks like in this season for you, we, we, there comes a point where you realize, I can't stay here anymore. I can't stay in this place or uh, continue to think the way that I'm thinking or continue to do the things that I'm doing. There's a, there's a shift that needs to take place. Understanding that what used to be okay isn't okay anymore. Cut the cord. Get rid of those things because those things are like chains that hold you to your history and God wants you to move in your destiny. And if you have chains that are chaining you to your history, you will not be able to fully step into your destiny because you've not been able to cross over because you haven't cut the cord. And so for you to be fully birthed in what God is calling you to be birthed in, there has to be some death. There has to be some dying. But it's good. It's good. It's a good thing, right? I want to read just a passage. Um, it's a fairly familiar passage. It's out of uh, 2 Kings 20. You don't need to turn there. Um, but it, this story is, you know, uh, it's always kind of baffled me and loved it, hated it all at the same time. And so King Hezekiah, um, an angel comes to him and tells him that um, set your affairs in order, you're going to die. And, you know, again, looking at death uh, from a different perspective as death is a doorway. Death is to be absent with the Lord, death is to be, pre or to be absent from the body, death is to be present with the Lord. And so understanding that death is a doorway. And so here um, Hezekiah, uh, the angel comes and Hezekiah cries out and um, the angel turns around and says, the Lord says you've got 15 more years. Now if you keep reading on, it, it, it kind of explains, um, you know, this in, in just an interesting parallel here. Um, and 2 Kings 20, verse 8, it says, uh, And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me? Now remember, um, Hezekiah was going to die because he was sick. Uh, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And Isaiah said, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord. The Lord will do uh, the thing that he has promised. Uh, and then asked Hezekiah a question. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or go backward 10 steps? So they basically have a sundial, and they're asking the Lord, like, show us a sign. And so um, Hezekiah says, uh, It is easy thing for the shadow to lengthen in 10 steps. Rather, let the shadow go back 10 steps. And so the prophet Isaiah called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back 10 steps until uh, it had gone down to the steps of Ahaz. So uh, what the heck is going on here? There, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of different things. But I want to just kind of give you a spiritual parallel here. Um, you know, Hezekiah has been told that he's going to die. In other words, Hezekiah has been told that uh, some could look at it as a promotion, some could look at it as he's, he's going to the next realm. He's going to the new thing. And so let's, let's just take it in a spiritual context. If, if God's saying, you know, uh, at, at your current job, 
it's about to die. All right, you guys tracking with me so far? Your current job, it's going to die. The job that you're in right now, it's going to die. And knowing that, that or maybe not knowing, God has something better, right? So maybe you're making like, let's just say like 50K over here, and God wants to give you like 200K over here a year, right? Let's just say that. But we're so bound up because the 50K job that we're comfortable with that we know how to do and we know all the steps, we know it's three steps to the desk and four steps to the stapler and we know how to do it and that we've always done it this way and, and we're comfortable here. And so when that job die, you know, is, is told to us, hey, this job's going to die, we cry out to the Lord to keep us where we're at. This, this is what's happening with Hezekiah. He's crying out to the Lord to keep him where, where he's at. And this whole thing with the shadow, going forward 10 steps or going backward 10 steps, I, I think it's prophetic. Do you want to go forward or do you want to go backwards? And it's interesting that the confirmation for Hezekiah that he was going to stay where he's at is for the shadow to go backwards, to not move forward, to not advance, to not go somewhere, to not go where it's not gone, but actually go where it's already been. To not move into destiny, but to actually go backward in history. And so when we understand this, that the, the, the transition's necessary, and when we say, okay, and we accept the fact that this, okay, this is done, I, I trust that God's got something better for me, and bam, you walk into a new place, making four times the money, even though the transition's hard, and you have to learn new things, and you have to reconfigure your life, and understand that, okay, it's not four steps to my desk, and it's not three steps to the stapler, and, and understanding that I, I've got to learn some things new, that where I was the master over here, I now have to become a student again over here. And we like being the master. We like mastering things. We like uh, being good at things. Nobody wants to do something that they're not really good at, right? We, we want to do things that we excel at. And so therefore, we will sacrifice success to stay in some place where it appears that we're successful just because we know what we're doing. And the whole time, God is wanting to take you into a new level of what success. He wants to completely redefine success for you. You've always known this to be successful or this to be uh, uh, amazing, this to be uh, spiritually moving, this to be filling you up spiritually, this to be all of those things. But when God wants to do a new thing, we have to be able to step away and understand, okay, he's killing it. Let it die. Let it die. Old habits, let it die. Old ways of thinking, let it die. Because if God wants to move us into spiritual maturity, we have to understand that we can't no longer be playing on the playground with the kids. Spiritually speaking, parents play on the playground with your kids. Put your stupid phones away too. <laughs> I about got on a rabbit trail there. We have to realize that it's not good to stay someplace when it's time to go. Anybody ever overstayed their welcome before? Just me? You know, we, uh, as pastors, we have people over at our house um, often, uh, not too often, though. Um, I'm an introvert. 
But we have people over at our house, and there's always that one person that they have to be the last person out the door. And, uh, you know, my wife, um, I, I love my wife. She, uh, she can fall asleep on, like, in an instant. You say, all right, babe, everything's taken care of. Like, she's out. And so, you know, there'll be people talking to us and all this stuff, and, and she's asleep on the couch. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't be that person. But, yeah, we've learned to put end times on things, so. But, you know, sometimes all of us have probably, you know, either experienced someone overstaying their welcome or we have been the one who have overstayed our welcome and then we, like, oh, realize, like, oh, crap, yeah, I should probably go. And, you know, we, when we recognize that, we have to be okay that it's, it's, it's time to go. It's time to move on. It's time to shift. It's time uh, that season or those relationships or those friends or how we used to do things. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay for it to shift. It's okay for it to change. And um, when, we, when we realize, especially the longer we stay in a place when it's time to go, we realize that we're holding on to where God was and now it's time to go to where God is. A lot of denominations, this is what they do. They hold on to where God was, and they begin to build a camp or build a memorial around what God did 150 years ago, and God's over here saying, what about what I'm doing today? What about what I'm doing right now? And, and you know, even charismatics, we sit back and like, yeah, that denomination should change, but we don't change. We do the same thing. We, we talk about the glory days, and we talk about, um, you know, what God used to do and how God moved in this way, and he used to do this, and, and God's over here saying, hey, I still move, just not like that anymore. Or, hey, I, I'm still active, just not how you think anymore. But we want to go backward. We want the shadow to move backwards to stay where we're comfortable because we become experts. We become masters, and God wants us to be students. And so we've got to realize that when it's, we got to realize when it's time to go. We got to realize that when we're holding on to where God was, and now it's time to go to where God is, we got to realize those, those moments in our life. We got to realize them, whether it be in your heart condition, in your uh, thinking, you know, whatever it might be. You know, oftentimes what we, what we do do is when God is in a season of transition, um, you know, we automatically attribute it to geographical location. And sometimes God does move you in geographical locations, but sometimes people miss the transition in your heart and we just bypass it and just move locations. But the thing is, is if you don't get the heart condition right, if you don't begin to shift your heart and allow God to transition your mind and your spirit and shift your heart and the way of thinking, you're just going to take an old system and move it to a new place. You're going to take an old way of thinking and move it to a new place. And it doesn't matter what job you're in. It doesn't matter whose church you join. It doesn't matter any of those things because sooner or later, they'll find out the system that you're in and all of a sudden you're running into the same problems and the same issues you had 3,000 miles away. 
Because God is trying to shift our hearts and our minds and our attitudes and our dispositions, and we keep trying to move our house and our luggage and our church membership. But it doesn't matter where you go. I'm telling you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you don't shift the heart. God wants the heart to shift. The heart needs to make a move. Your heart needs to move before anything else begins to shift and move. And if your heart moves, God begins to move your heart. He pulls on the heartstrings of the believer. When, when your heartstrings are being pulled, then you know that maybe it's, it is time to make a move. Maybe it's just shifting in your heart, whatever it might be. But allow your heart to be shifted. Allow your mindsets to be changed. And, and, and if you are moving geographical locations, do not, do not, do not take an old system and move it into a new place. Because you're going to call people, you know, a year or two down the road and say you're running into the same issues, the same problems, the same cycles. They have not been broken because we've not transitioned in our hearts. We've not transitioned in our minds, in our way of thinking, and how we do things, and in our belief systems. We begin to transition, and then God moves us. Does that make sense? And so God wants that to happen. For, for many years, I have been praying for what I would call revival. My heart is revival. My heart is for God to move. My definition of revival is an awakening of God's people to God's promises. Um, it's for city transformation, but not just there. It actually moves into what we would call reformation, where not just people are saved. That's important. But the systems and the structures and the things that in which we operate begin to get redeemed. Education begins to get redeemed. Business begins to get redeemed. Government begins to get redeemed. Media, arts, and entertainment, family begins to get redeemed. All these things begin. That's, that's where we actually move into true revival, true reformation, and it starts, every revival starts with an individual. Every revival starts individually. It starts with you. It doesn't start with Zion. It doesn't start with a pastor. It doesn't start with a conference. It doesn't start with a leader. You can have your own revival in your life. All you have to do is shift your heart. All you have to do is shift your way of thinking and understand that you're not limited by where you are, but actually God wants to take you to where he is. But in the context of, of revival, in the context of this, you know, it's something that I have prayed into for over a decade. Since I was born again, since I had an encounter with God, um, I, I met Jesus in a field. I didn't meet him in a church. And when I, when I, encountered Jesus from that moment on I had a heart for people to get radically transformed by the presence and power of God and it, it is has grown from there and in my pursuit and praying for revival and praying for all these things you know one thing that the Lord has told me over and over and over and over and over and over and over again is that you can't have revival without a funeral And so that has caused me that every season and every stage of my life, something has to die. Something has to die. Think of salvation. When you are born into the kingdom, the old man dies, right? The old way of thinking dies. The old lifestyle dies. You know, uh, you, you break the CDs you used to listen to. You, you do all those kinds of things. You, the old way, the old things die. 
When you get baptized, it's symbolic. It's a prophetic act. Dead in Christ under the water, risen to a new life. There's a death that happens. When you get filled with the Spirit, the body says that, uh, or the, the Bible says that, um, you know, those who are carnal-minded cannot participate or cannot be active or be aware of the things of the Spirit because the Spirit and the flesh are at war against each other. So something has to die for you to fully embrace the Holy Spirit and actually begin to move with Him, not just experience Him. Something has to die. Every season, there has to be a funeral. Every season, there has to be something that dies, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I know when we, when we talk about death, we, talk, we, we automatically think about Aunt Susie or uh, you know, Grandma or you know, somebody that has passed away, and, and, and I'm talking about it in a spiritual sense. Those who have went on into to heaven, uh, man can't wait but when we are in this earth that when we're moving into something new we have to cut the cord because death and birth go hand in hand and for God to birth something new into you we've got to cut the cord and die to something does that make sense are you guys good all right once you stand I'm gonna pray for you So my heart in just sharing this is, you know, I feel like just prophetically speaking that there, there is so much transition going on. And I'm not talking, you know, Zion's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Jim's not going anywhere. Not, you know, nothing like that. I'm talking about in a spiritual sense, there's transitions. And there's going to be things that, uh, like I said before, that were okay last season and they're not okay this season. There's going to be ways of doing things that were okay last season and they're not okay this season. And we have to begin to recognize that because God's taking us into something new. And so he's giving us new tools that maybe we've never used before. There's something new. There's something fresh that God wants to do. And, and you know, I hope that this is some sort of an encouragement of how to actually begin to step into it. How to actually begin to step into it. We've got to first recognize those areas that God is transitioning, God is shifting, God is pulling on us to make changes and to make moves because God wants to do something new, Right? And then also to be able to recognize, where do I need to cut the cord, God? Where do I need to cut off the old way of thinking? Where am I believing lies? Where am I doing this and I shouldn't be doing that? What, what does it look like for me in this season? And, and I just encourage you that over the next week, just begin to ask the Lord, begin to talk to the Lord about whatever you're going through, whatever transition, whether it be uh, physical or spiritual, whatever transition shifting is happening in your life, and begin to uh, allow God, uh, just become the blind man and allow God to lead you out of it. Become the blind man. Be, just become someone who I don't, I don't really know much. All I know is I've got him. All, I've know, all I know is he's, he's got my hand, and so we're just going to walk through this, and I'm going to let things die that need to die, and I'm going to step into places that I need to step into. Does that make sense? All right, why don't you put your hand on somebody next to you? And let's, let's just begin to pray, um, you know, for each other. Just begin to pray. Um, you don't have to know 
you know, what transition they're going through or if any. Um, all you know is they're either uh, about to go into a transition, they're in the middle of a transition, or they're coming out of a transition. So we can, we can pray in, with those things in mind. And so just begin to pray right now um, for that person on your right and your left. Just begin to pray for the transition they might be going through. Just begin to pray that God would shift our hearts and shift our minds and give us a new perspective. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, God, we just thank you for every person here. God, we thank you, Lord, uh, for what you're doing. We thank you, God, that there is a moving and a shaking that is happening in the kingdom and it's happening all over the world. And we thank you, God, that we get to be a part of it. We thank you that we were born for such a time as this. And we, God, right now, we just refuse to allow ourselves to get stuck in a rut. We refuse, refuse to allow ourselves to hold on to where you were and not go to where you are. God, we just say right now, if there's anything in us that needs to die, that needs to be cut out, that needs to, where the cord needs to be cut, we just invite the cord to be cut right now. Holy Spirit, we just say put your finger on those areas. Put your finger on those places. God, we, we don't want to be straddling two locations. We don't want to be straddling, two, uh, uh, straddling our transition, but we actually want to fully be birthed into what you're birthing us into. We actually fully want to be embraced what you're calling us to embrace. We actually fully want to grab hold of what you're calling us to grab hold of. And so God, we just say right now, everything that needs to be cut off, we just cut it off. We just cut it off. We just sever it right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, that the cord is being cut. We just pray, I just feel like praying right now that there's joy for the journey. There's joy for the journey. There's joy for every transition. There's joy for every change that uh, it, 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 it's, it, it may be hard and it may be challenging and it may be fearful and there may be uh, hiccups and there may be all of these things, but if you've got joy, you can endure it. You, if you've got joy, you can persevere it. And, and uh, the weeping lasts through the night. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes at the point, the breaking of dawn, the dawning of a new day. There's transition. There's shift. There's a joy that comes. And so we we just thank you, God, that you said the joy of the Lord is our strength, that for this journey, Lord, we, we don't need to pray for strength. We need to pray for joy. We just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We're going to do one more thing here real quick. It is uh, Communion Sunday. So I think uh, just a great way to cap this is, is just to uh, be in communion with Jesus because what transition is any good without communion with Jesus, right? So um, if, you're, if you're not a member here, you don't have to be a member here to partake of trans, uh, um, transition. You don't have to be a member here to partake of communion. Um, uh, if you find out how to be a member here, let us know. Um, you just have to love Jesus. So if you love Jesus, uh, if we could have maybe some uh, ushers or staff or whoever just come up with the, and so you guys can um, just file into the aisles and come up and grab the elements and um, you can go back to your seats or you can stay up here, uh, whatever's easiest for you guys.
we can get just a little bit of traveling music, that'd be great. Hey guys, just try to stay in just a posture of worship. I know this is taking just a minute, but um, try to stay in a posture of worship just as we uh, get ready here. seconds here. Is there anybody here who um, couldn't come up and you need communion brought to you? Or you need healed so you can come up? I love communion. You know, um, this is not a this is not a religious ritual. This is this is actually a prophetic act. 
Um, you know, Jesus said, every time you, you drink this and eat this, you do it in, in remembrance of him. Uh, but you're also remembering what Jesus paid for, uh, the price that he paid so that we can actually step into what we are called to step into. And it, it's just a reminder constantly of just, um, for me, just the gospel. The gospel works. Um, I've tried it. It, uh, it, it works, and this is just a reminder and just a fresh awareness of Jesus, who he is. Sometimes we can get uh, so, try to be so spiritually profound that we uh, lose the fact that Jesus' blood paid for it all. Amen? So in, in uh, the Gospels, uh, there's an account of uh, the Passover meal. And so the Passover meal is a meal that Jesus uh, ate with his disciples, uh, the Last Supper, and... Um, in, in, the, uh, in the text, it tells us that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he uh, looked at his disciples and he said, this was my body, which is broken for you. Let's, let's partake of Jesus'. God, we just thank you for your body. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for what you paid for on the cross. We thank you that you were bruised for our iniquities, that you were chastised for our peace, that by your stripes we're healed. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for the reality of that, Lord, that it's not just a, a one-time thing, but it's something that we say yes to every day. We thank you for that, Jesus. After supper, um, you know, in, in the Passover meal, uh, I, I, it, it's amazing. If you ever get time to study it or, or watch a documentary on it, um, it, it is absolutely fascinating because everything is prophetic. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a prophetic person. Everything is prophetic. Uh, in, in the Passover meal, there were four cups of wine. And Jesus picks up the third cup. Each cup represents something. And the, the, the cup that Jesus picked up was called the cup of redemption. And so there were four cups, and each cup had a name. And so he picks up the cup called redemption, and he holds it up, and he looks all of his disciples in the eyes and says, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Pointing to the fact that Jesus' blood is the redemption for all of mankind. This is what this means when we partake of this, that, that no longer are you isolated, no longer are you separated. You have a family. Jesus' blood is running through your veins. No longer are you um, of the lineage of Adam. You are of the lineage of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, he got what we deserve so we could get what he deserved. And so that's what this means. And so uh, let's, let's partake of this. And let's just thank Jesus for his blood. Jesus, we just thank you for your blood. We thank you for redemption of mankind. We thank you that the veil was torn, that, that there's no longer any separation from, from us and you. We thank you, God, that you paid the ultimate price for us to be one. As Jesus, as you said in, in John, that I am in you and you are in me and he, you are in the Father. And we just thank you, God, that there, there is just a, a joining, a unity in the Spirit. And so we just thank you that we get to be uh, partakers of this. We thank you, God, for your blood that has brought us into the fold of your covenant, that has brought us in the fold of your family. And so we just pray over every single person here, God. We thank you. And we just pray that the, the gospel becomes more real to us every day. 
day. That the, the body that was broken of Jesus, that the blood that Jesus shed, that it's, it's for our lives. It's, 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 it's for our, our being and who we are. But more than that, it's for every person you lay eyes on his blood bought. Every person, every coworker, every client, every person you meet, every gas station attendant, every, uh, uh, every waiter or waitress, his blood paid for them too. And so God, let that be a reality that burns in our hearts greater and greater. Let the reality of your kingdom be more manifest in our lives, Lord. Help us in every transition we're going to. God, we, we, we thank you that there's grace, that your power is made perfect in weakness. In every transition, every area that we feel like we're weak, we thank you that your power is made perfect. And so we pray just a grace over every person here. We thank you for grace that covers every inadequacy, that covers every insufficiency, that covers all of those things where we see as gaps. God, you make up the difference. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your grace. We just pray a blessing and favor over every person here. Blessing and favor. I just pray for dreams and visions, encounters in the nighttime. I've uh, personally just had a heightened um, dream life here in the last like three months. And, you know, I was the person who dreamed like three times a year. And um, the Lord has just been opening that up. And I just feel like there's just a grace that's coming on the body of Christ just to, to, to begin to dream again, um, to begin to have prophetic dreams. And, and, uh, and we just cancel the assignment, those negative dreams and those discouraging dreams and depressing dreams. And we just thank you for life-giving, life-breathing dreams that are being birthed. We thank you for encounters in the nighttime and just fresh vision for our eyes. And so we just bless every person here in the transitions that they're coming out of, going into, or currently in. We bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen.